Hey everybody, so we are back from our holiday sabbatical and we are going to kick things off with uh, a appearance I'd had on the Mazer Patrol podcast. So shout out to Kevin for letting me join him and also uh, fellow guest Justin Mullis. We uh, talked about Kaiju and Godzilla on home video. Um, so for our version, we are going to be splitting the discussion in two. The first section um, that you're about to hear is going to be the history of the Godzilla films on home video. So we'll walk you through uh, you know, the VHS, DVD, Blu-ray releases of the past. Uh, and then the second half, which will be posted in a couple days, is going to be our uh, reviews of the Godzilla Criterion Collection box set, as well as the Mill Creek Ultraman releases. Uh, so we're going to go into uh, those releases in excruciating detail as well. So uh, without further ado, here is the history of Godzilla on American Home Video. And I hope you enjoy. All right, bye. Welcome to the Mazer Patrol podcast and possibly also the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Yeah, I think that's a safe assumption. So I am Kevin. Uh, you might know me from Mazer Patrol. And uh, uh, Bird, why don't, why don't you introduce yourself to your, your own listeners? Hi, <laughs> I'm Kyle Bird of the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. It's insane. This is, uh, this is the first time I've been on this show considering how often I've had Kevin on, on my own. And here I am, my Mazer Patrol debut. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you actually have a like regular show that comes out on a, a somewhat on a regular schedule, whereas mine's like, eh, maybe we'll take a hiatus for five months because, you know, why not? And then there's, there's one other person in the room here, metaphorically. Hi, I'm Justin. So, and uh, I've been... I've, I've never been on Kyle's show yet, and I've been on we'll Kevin's there. show a few times. Um, people might also know me if we're just naming our podcasting credentials. I am on the, a show called The Film Find a whole lot because I'm sort of their resident uh, kaiju movie uh, guru they go to, so as well as uh, some other related stuff. So, um, yeah. This is, this is uh, boom time, I think, because the not quite Christmas sales, but it's coming up, and uh, you know the Christmas season gets earlier and earlier. So 
uh, we're starting to see Barnes and Noble and Target and all these places are, are putting things on sale. And wouldn't you know it, a whole lot of companies are putting out physical media that uh, we would go to these sales and buy. So as uh, as Tokusatsu fans, there's a handful of uh, interesting titles that have uh, hit recently, and some we'll really know about, some you might not be aware of, uh, and I think that it would just be a good rundown of uh, of what all has been coming out recently, talk about what to expect from certain companies, and uh, talk about the, the products and, and where we see things going in the future for them. Uh, so obviously, the, the, the big impetus behind this is this uh this criterion godzilla set uh everybody in the fandom has an opinion about and we are no different but uh there are there are a couple of other releases that i think uh, would be fun to talk about also so why do you i mean i i personally am a am a big physical media collector still even in this this age of mm-hmm streaming services all over the place are are you guys also definitely um i mean i see the value in streaming um it's just like for me i don't know when like the way the streaming rights and everything go like i'd rather just be able to get something off my shelf than worry about it, it expiring or whatever um and uh, I, I have become more picky about what I buy, you know. Um, I typically don't go for things that, even if it's a movie I love, I like. I might not want it on Blu-ray if it's something I'm not going to watch a lot. Um, and so I, I, I've become better with that, and, you know, I've, I'm trying to kind of unload a lot of that kind of stuff that i've gotten in the past so like i've sold a whole bunch of stuff within the last couple months uh uh, but yeah i mean definitely um i am still a big collector uh and i just like having it where it's easily accessible and i don't have to worry about how long it's going to be up or where it's going um but that's me i mean this i I under i do understand the people that are like well uh, I the the I don't have to worry about this shelving space and all this physical space in my home anymore, and you know I I just prefer to stream stuff, and that's fine. Um, but yeah, I I still try to monitor what I get a lot more. Um, and if it is something that you know I really like and I don't see myself rewatching, I figure if I do ever want to watch it. I will be able to find it streaming or where I can at least rent it for a couple bucks or something. It's like, I don't need to own it, but yeah, for the, the genres and the franchises and stuff that I'm really into, I'm, I'm still buying. I mean, I, I'm going to have a lot to say about this later, honestly, as we sort of get into this about, you know, the, the value of physical media, um, for, for a number of, of different reasons. Um, you know, I still, I still buy a significant number of DVDs and Blu-rays. Um, you know, I, I have uh, kind of echoing Kyle there. I've kind of cut back in recent years, though. That's sort of been more of you know, it's been less of an issue of not wanting stuff as much as it has been just you know, kind of you know, going after after other things instead. I also I also buy a lot of books, so you know, it's kind of the choice between 
a lot of times for me, it's like, well, do I want to buy a movie or do I want to buy a book? And then, you know, just at the time, um, you know, but I, I think, you know, if, if we just want to talk for a moment about, you know, the whole thing of streaming versus, you know, home video, I mean, a big part of for, for me also is it's just like, you know, the kind of stuff that I'm into um, and that, that we're here to talk about, you know, isn't necessarily even available through uh, streaming services, you know. Um, yeah. It's not even always readily available on home video, as we'll talk about. So, but when you can get it on home video, then you actually have a stab at, at having it and having it be available to you, you know, um, versus, you know, just, just, you know, not having it at all or not knowing where to find it, you know, or, you know, just, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of issues with streaming, I think, especially, you know, if you're, if your tastes are not flavor of the week, because personally for me, that seems to be like people who favor streaming, that's really sort of what that comes down to is mm -hmm. it's like, you know, they're not concerned about watching older movies or particular kinds of movies. It's really just whatever's the newest thing that might be on Netflix this week, they're mm -hmm. just going to sit down and watch it. And that's good for them. I'm not going to, to sit here and, and judge them um, on mic. So. Well, and well, to piggyback on that, though, like when, when I said certain series or genres or franchises, whatever, that is kind of why I will like I'll buy a <laughs> I just I, I use this because I just got it today. I, I I have a region, all region player. So I, I got the Arrow, Vincent Price, Roger Corman, Edgar Allan Poe box set from the UK. And it's like. If I feel like watching those, uh, the chances of me finding it on a streaming site, I mean, I'm sure some of them might be on Amazon or Shutter or whatever, but the chances of me finding those are a little slimmer than, you know, if I'm like, oh, I want to watch um, something like Avengers Endgame. Like, that's something I know I'm going to be able to find streaming uh, somewhere. Um, like, so, so for more recent stuff, I think streaming is definitely a good thing to a good way to go but yeah if it's more niche older films cult movies um things like that that you don't even know how long it's going to be in print i mean by all means that's when i'm going to go for the blu-ray like and and also that's also why sometimes i don't feel so bad about missing a movie um that i want to see in theaters like right now parasite is playing and i really want to go see that but I don't know if I'm going to have the time. It's limited release. And I know like, okay, if I don't get a chance to go out and see this, it's going to, I can rent it on Vudu or Amazon in two months for three bucks. And so it's not like I need to go and see this now. So yeah, I think for guys like us that are into things that aren't so mainstream, collecting is huge, but you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a movie goer. I like new stuff just as much as anyone, but it, I'm. I don't feel the need to always buy that stuff because I feel like it's going to be readily available in in print almost like always. Yeah. Well, I think uh, that there's a lot to be said for uh, you know on a in addition to just general uh, viewing ability. There's there's version control because uh, let's say. 
t- take an example that's relevant here, the original Ultraman show that has previously s- streamed on Hulu and Shout Factory TV and is now on, I guess, Movie Spree and Amazon Prime. But, you know, uh, the, the Hulu version had a dub that is no longer available on those later services. And uh, I, I know if I have this DVD, I can always go to my shelf and the DVD is never going to, to go anywhere. It's, yeah. It'll be the same version all the, t- all the way through. And I, and I what if I want to watch War of the Gargantuas? I can't. I can watch Frankenstein Brothers. I can't watch War of the Gargantuas right now, <laughs> and maybe ever again, uh, if if that releases like the Godzilla one, which we'll get to. Yeah, well, I was gonna say. I mean, I feel like especially if you start talking about version control, Kevin. That's what I mean when I said like I'm gonna have a lot to say about this later. So, which I I feel like. If, I feel like if we got into this now, we'd be jumping the gun because I feel like we need to talk about at least like this criterion set first and like, you know, our thoughts on it. So, yeah, well, uh, to, to quote Captain Gordon, I guess we'll uh, go right into it. Uh, <laughs> A movie that is not on this set. <laughs> it is not. It is not. <laughs> so uh, we, we got the we got this complete Godzilla set uh, for the Showa uh, series. Uh, so it's it's only the uh, Godzilla movies from 1954 to 1975. I'm going to go ahead and assume that anyone listening to this is more of a Godzilla aficionado than a Criterion aficionado. There are plenty of Criterion aficionados. There are people like my dad that will only watch a movie if it's in the Criterion collection. And that's because they have this reputation of, of being... Uh, you know this this company that puts out big important movies, uh, which is their their stated mission. But their view of what is important doesn't always line up with what their fan base views as important. So yeah. there's interesting titles in the Criterion Collection that you well, wouldn't necessarily. I, I have I have it right in front of me. The, so their mission statement is the Criterion Collection is a continuing series of important classic and contemporary films. Um, and then, yeah, most people think of it as like this art house, like, you know, your Bergman, Kurosawa, which it is, but that's not all they do. And sometimes when they may release a movie that doesn't quite fit in that, like art house, classy kind of, you know, film school, like box people, like you said, their, their fans get kind of thrown off. Like I'm thinking like a movie like the blob or, um, Armageddon is in the Criterion Collection. And it's like, I don't think Armageddon's a good movie, but I can see how it would fit that mission statement of like the time that movie came out and how it influenced like the American blockbuster movie afterwards. Like, so it is an important movie, just not for it didn't inspire, you know, the future Scorsese's of the world, but it it had an impact. I, I guess that's a accidental pun um <laughs> but yeah it does fit that mission statement and uh i th- i think godzilla movies do too because important can also mean something that's important or uh revered in a pop culture sense not just an yeah absolutely and and criterion as a as a company has has had a, a long history of uh of uh 
of, of liking this uh, this sort of you know pop culture titles and you know a lot of the things that you look at that have been in the Criterion Collection. I mean, they just released Police Story Two. They've done uh, done RoboCop, and um, their release of the original King Kong on Laserdisc was the first time that there was an audio commentary as a special feature. Yep, I mean, that's that's huge. Like not the first time there was an audio commentary for a Criterion release. The first time there was an audio commentary on a movie. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's an important aspect of Criterion that we can we can definitely talk more about, and I think it'll come up when we start talking about sort of how Criterion, you know, Criterion, which, which by the way, we haven't said this, but yeah, Criterion got started in the mid-'80s. I think it was 1984 exactly. So, and, you know, they were revolutionary in the home video industry because... It was there was this idea, you know, in addition to, you know, the mission statement, like you already said, Kyle, I mean, there was kind of this idea of like making these movies an experience, uh, almost like an educational experience where it wouldn't just be, yeah, I've got the movie on a disc now and I can watch it. It would be this sort of enhanced experience where like the movie is going to come with I mean, Criterion invented this idea of, of special features right there will be an audio commentary with the people who made the film or and if those people aren't available then maybe a film historian who knows a lot about the making of this film or maybe both right because you can have more than one uh, commentary track and it'll come with documentaries and behind the scenes stuff and it'll come with um you know i i, I think liner notes might have existed before criterion but they kind of really took it to another level where they started producing you know like basically tiny booklets you know and even some of their releases have what are basically just actually books i mean like the zatoichi set that they put out a few years ago comes with essentially a hardcover book same thing with um their set they did for uh, Dreyer's Vampire, early black and white vampire movie. And this um, set is a literal hardcover book. And the Godzilla set, yeah, is a literal giant hardcover book. It's the and they kind of just put them both together. It's not you get a set of DVDs and a book. It's this is a set of Blu-rays, and the Blu-rays are in the book. So, bottom line is, Criterion is a is a big label for for film aficionados, and they were in the months coming up to their 1,000th release on Blu-ray, uh, there is a lot of uh, speculation, especially among film snobs, about, oh, what, whatever could this, this title be? And I think uh, those of us who are in, in this fandom were a little bit spoilered because we were watching very closely and we saw that they had recently added the Showa Godzilla films to their streaming catalog. And... They have a history. They, in fact, before Classic Media put out their DVD box sets, or even was it before the Scimitar box sets? Even uh, well, the, I, I mean, I'll, I'll get into that. So. Yeah, but they 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 had wanted to put the the Godzilla movies on Laserdisc, and that never happened. But um, but the it, it was it was a long stated goal. So it makes total sense to us that the Godzilla franchise would be uh, a huge milestone that they could tackle for their 1000th release. But for all of my uh, movie snob friends, they were hit by a truck basically when this was announced. <laughs> you mean it's not a Fellini box set? <laughs> a, a, a 
Apparently not. I, I'd have to <laughs> double check the credits to see if any of these movies were Fellini. <laughs> oh, he made Godzilla vs. Megalon. I didn't realize Oh, that. okay. Oh, look at that. The documentation on that movie is pretty shoddy, so I'd believe it. <laughs> you know, and, and part of what made this also particularly special is the fact that, um, as as you already said, Kevin, this is the complete Showa era, or what that basically means is this is the original Godzilla series. We're going to have some gripes and some grouses about this set as we get into things, but you know, I I do want to say, you know, if we want to start off on a, on a positive note. I want to say that despite whatever, um, you know, vices or, or other virtues we might think this set has, I do think it's very important that Criterion was able to do this and make these films all available in one go for people. Because I know um, quite a few folks who are people who are in, in, in real life who are interested in Godzilla Right, they've seen the new legendary movies. They've seen the animes. They've seen uh, some of the uh, later era Godzilla movies from the '90s and the early 2000s, which are more readily available on home video, um, uh, or until recently were more readily available on home video and on Blu-ray than these films were. Um, who have been interested in the, the classic Godzilla movies, but they haven't been available. And they certainly not have not been available as any kind of set. And so when this was announced, some of those people I know immediately pre-ordered it because this was something that they'd been waiting for and they, they didn't know why it didn't exist prior to this. And so that's one really good thing about this set, I think. So, Yeah, I mean, I know as a, as a movie collector that when I get something like, oh, this is a female prisoner scorpion box set that has the first third and fourth movie in it i get annoyed and uh when i ever i try to explain to somebody like okay so you're going to want to get the criterion edition for the first movie then the classic media for the second movie then you're going to have to steal king kong versus godzilla from somewhere then you're going to <laughs> yeah. want the classic media for mothra versus godzilla again and rattle off you know six different distributors that they're going to have to bounce well is as, as a fan of hammer films that is like you you yeah. have to like draw up like a like a grids and stuff to tell people what what to get and who has it and all that. That's I a have very good actually analogy. done that. <laughs> I have a word document on my computer just to try and keep track of Hammer releases. But imagine if there were like fifteen Dracula movies. Right. So. So yeah, I mean that's that's a really good thing about this um, about this set. So you know, I, I think that that's you know one of its real um, real virtues. But um, so I, I I don't know. I mean, if if there's uh, nothing else that either one of you want to say at the moment, I mean, maybe we can talk about why it took sixty five years for us in America to get all fifteen of these films in one set. I don't think it's something that a company lesser than Criterion would have been able to manage. That's for sure. I don't know if a company other than Criterion would have been interested, honestly. I mean, I'm glad they were. I'm just being a realist. I think there are definitely companies that would be interested, but they don't have the, the means. You know, I'm sure Kraken, for an example, would love to have a 15-movie Godzilla set, but that's not happening ever. So Yeah. And frankly, this is a set that we were long saying wouldn't happen ever, and they 
to an extent pulled off a miracle here, but it's 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 unfortunately it's not everything that it could be, and we'll we'll get into the pluses and minuses. I think uh, do we do we want to do do we want to go into the into the nitty gritty of how the how the song? I, I can run through the whole thing about you know why why this is just now coming to us, and then that'll lead into the special feature thing. Make it okay. so. Take okay. away. So, so basically, for anybody wondering why it took 65 years, give or take, for us to get a complete Godzilla set, the answer to this goes back all the way to when Toho started originally distributing their Godzilla films. And this is basically the short version of this story is that they essentially took what could be described as a shotgun approach to distribution where it was essentially as they were churning out each film starting in 1954 and going forward, they essentially were just saying to American distributors, look, if you want one of our films, just purchase the rights from us and then go off and release it. And so as a result, as the Godzilla movies were coming out, they were each ending up with different distributors. So the original Godzilla, for example, from 1954, went to a small independent called Jewel Enterprises. The second film, Godzilla Raids Again, um, from 55, ended up with Warner Brothers. Uh, King Kong versus Godzilla was made in collaboration with Universal, and I think we'll have a lot more to say about that particular film on this set as we get into it. But um, that's just to know that Universal was the one who had that. Mothra versus Godzilla went to AIP. AIP also ended up picking up uh, Destroy All Monsters and Godzilla versus the Smog Monster, or Hetera. Uh, later on down the line, Ghidorah was with a, a smaller independent called Walter <laughs> Reed Sterling. UPA got um, Godzilla vs. Monster Zero. Um, there, uh, the, then there was like a bunch of other little small ones. Um, Godzilla vs. Sea Monster and Son of Godzilla went straight to television over here. All Monsters Attack or Godzilla's Revenge was with some group called Marin Films. Cinema Shares, which was like a fly-by-night like grindhouse company, got Godzilla vs. Gigan, Megalon, and Mechagodzilla and stuck them into drive-ins and on television. And then Terror of Mechagodzilla went with a company called Bobcon Enterprises. And all of these companies to change these films to a greater or lesser extent. Some of them did in-house dubs for them. Some of them used international dubs that were prepared in Hong Kong. Some of them cut them up and re-edited them. You know, they, they put them into a myriad of different forms, both like foul and fair. But the, the important thing about this is that as a result, by the time the original series ended in 1975, <coughs> if anybody had wanted to do a complete set, they couldn't because the rights to Godzilla were all over the place. And it um, got even well uh, not to cut you off but it, it no, got no, even go crazier because a lot of those smaller companies like they would have one thing and then another company would buy it as like part of a package deal like i don't know what else they were getting but somehow the american version of ghidra ended up in the hands of golden little golden books and right. probably because little golden books wanted to buy something else from someone and ghidra was part of you know, hey, we'll we'll sell you this like a box of stuff, basically, <laughs> and and the thing you want is in it, but you got to take all this other stuff. So that only like convoluted things further. Yeah, and so you you see this um, 
you know, and oh yeah, exactly. You, you actually see this, like, so you you continue to go through the history because what starts happening is that certain parties, um, and I believe, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong about any of this, but I'm pretty sure it, it starts under um, a UPA. They start buying up some of the other Godzilla films and Toho films from some of these smaller companies, and and eventually they own enough of them that in 1992. Um, through Paramount's Gateway VHS label is the first time that we get anything that could be described as kind of an attempt at a Godzilla or sort of like a, a Toho set because they release a set of VHS tapes which are Godzilla, Rodan, um, Mothra vs. Godzilla or Godzilla vs. The Thing, um, Godzilla vs. Monster Zero, War of the Gargantuas, um, uh, Godzilla's Revenge, Terror of Mechagodzilla, and actually a version of the incredibly rare now Toho film, Prophecies of Nostradamus. Right. Um, Last Days of Planet Earth, right. Right, under the title Last Days of Planet Earth, um, as as the set of VHS tapes, which, interestingly enough, looking at these, because I own some of them, I don't own all of them, um, kind of anticipate this Criterion set in some ways, because these boxes for them were done to all be uniform so they would match, but they were done in these pastel colors so a lot of pinks and purples and yellows and light greens and they were all done with this original artwork um which was done by an artist named greg winters um and i need to credit stan hyde for providing me the name of that artist so but yeah did, did you guys own any of these tapes or do you own all of them um i had war of the gargantuas um and yeah i think all those other movies i had in different versions but Gore the Gargantuas I, I definitely had I had most of them uh, under that under that style uh, I think I would have been particularly drawn to the to the art that they had on the those covers yeah the I, art was really nice so. um, those movies those movies stay together for the most part and by the so in 1998 because of the first American-made Godzilla movie that comes out that same year. Those same films get their initial DVD release, which is uh, from a company called Scimitar. Uh, and they also have... And and I, I, you know, kind of going in a completely opposite direction of the, the Gateway VHSs, the Scimitar DVDs were all done in this kind of brown-gold sort of color scheme and, and were, I always thought, fairly ugly. So... And a lot of the other movies were released by another line too. Uh, I don't, rem I don't know, I don't remember who it was, but remember, like, a lot of them had like the wrong Godzillas on the cover. Like, I think Godzilla versus Megalon had like the '85 Godzilla on the cover. Maybe it is also in 1998. Uh, Kevin alluded to this earlier. So in April of 1998, Image Previews, which was a a magazine, publishes a ad for Criterion for a Laserdisc set, which will include the American dubbed, re-edited versions of the original 1954 Godzilla, Godzilla vs. The Thing, Godzilla vs. Monster Zero, Godzilla's Revenge, and Terror of Mechagodzilla, plus, as a bonus, the Japanese cut of the original 1954 Godzilla. And so this is when Criterion first announces this, and that's their original intention. There is this ad we can throw it into the show notes because uh, you can you can find it online. Um, however, this set never actually materializes. 
They, they never, it, it doesn't happen. And I don't know why it never happens. I don't know if either of you know anything. So, but it, Criterion never actually puts this laser disc set out. And we don't I'm not actually... sure what happened, but I, I think I think that had something to do with it getting, getting passed on to Scimitar. Possibly, yeah. Well, Criterion's known to, to license films that have other distribution. Uh, I mean, yeah. they, they do it for the current Godzilla set. Uh, but I, I wonder, uh, because the, the original cut of the 54 film wasn't released for another six years after that, so I wonder if that might have something to do with it, possibly. So in 2000, um, all of the Godzilla films that are part of this UPA collection that we've been talking about get acquired by a company called Classic Media. And this is exactly what you were talking about, Kyle, because it is, it's known that Classic Media is not interested in the Godzilla movies when they acquire um, them from UPA. They are actually, I believe, they were actually, I believe, uh, going after um, the Mr. Magoo cartoons and I think some of the wrong yeah, it came with stuff. it. Yeah, yeah, but it, it was—it's one of these deals where UPA was basically selling a catalog, and they were like, "Look, we have all these films, all these cartoons, TV specials, whatever. And if you want some of them, you got to buy all of them." Um, and th- this is also how, as as kind of a tangential side note, but as a comparison, that's also how around this same time in like the early 2000s, like Disney for a while ended up with Power Rangers because they went to Saban wanting to buy Digimon from them. And it was a kind of a package deal where they were like, yeah, you want this one thing, you get everything. So, um, so classic media ends up with Godzilla, um, and, and they don't just sit there with it. They do release it. Their first DVD release is in 2002. And that includes Godzilla. Godzilla it includes all the films I've already mentioned, plus Rodan. And it's this, it's this box set. It's, and it's just the American versions, obviously dubbed. And it's this box set that is kind of this foily, holographic look to it. I don't know if either of you guys owned that. So I didn't. I never did just because... They were pan and scan, and like at that point, I'd already had like the jet most of the Japanese versions, like in widescreen or um, some of them. I like Scimitar did a widescreen, full screen version. Like I had those yep. on VHS, and I was like, I don't see a reason to get these just because this DVD, because it's like it, it's I don't know. They they seem cheap even at the time, which was like the kind of earlier days of DVD. They were they were dub only, and at this point, like lots of bilingual releases were were coming out on the market even back then. So, so, um, two thousand and four is our next point on this on this trip. Two thousand and four is Godzilla's fiftieth anniversary. Um, a a group called um, Rialto, I believe if I'm saying that right. Rialto. Yeah. Rialto. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Totally butchered that. Rialto um, releases the original Godzilla, the Japanese version uh, from '54, in U.S. theaters for the first time. So for the 50th anniversary, um, it plays in in American theaters for the first time, and and so it garners a lot of attention, both positive and negative, with people finally being able in the United States to see what the Japanese version of this film looked like. You know, some people. You know, consider it. Some some critics and film scholars consider it kind of a revelation 
um, you know, it's like, oh, you know, wow, this movie is actually so good. You know, it's it, some they put it on the same level as something like Doctor Strange Love. You know, this great kind of critique of, you know, the the Cold War era and the the atomic bomb. Other people, most probably most famously, Roger Ebert goes and watches the Japanese cut and says, ah, it still sucks. You know, so. Um, but uh, yeah, so it gets released, and as a result, the um, as a result, you start having some people who want to release it, the Japanese version, onto home video. And the first people who actually do this are not in the United States, but it's the British Film Institute in the UK. They want to release the Japanese cut onto uh, DVD, and they follow that criterion model that we were talking about earlier because they want to record a commentary and do special features for it and stuff. And so they actually get in touch with uh, a number of guys whose names might be familiar to people listening to this that are Godzilla aficionados, but they get in touch with um, Steve Rifle, Ed Godwicheski, who are the two guys who wrote um, uh, Shiro Honda's English language biography that came out a couple years ago from uh, Wesleyan University Press, and they also get in touch with Keith Aiken from the website Sci-Fi Japan. Um, and they start working with them on preparing like these special features and these commentaries and that kind of stuff. And that's important for where this story is going because then uh, shortly after BFI does this, Classic Media, the people at Classic Media are paying attention and they see this BFI release and they're like, well, wait a minute, we also have these films we want to do that as well and so initially um the, apparently classic media initially just tries to buy the uh, special features that bfi had prepared and just kind of port them over to a release and they're told that they can't do that so they then they decided they're just going to create their own and they get in touch with the same people uh steve and ed and and keith and um, start working on their own release of these films, of, of that film and the other um, Toho films that they own, which at this point includes the original Godzilla, Godzilla Raids Again, Mothra, um, Ghidra, uh, Mothra versus Godzilla, Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster, Godzilla versus Monster Zero, Godzilla's Revenge, Terror of Mechagodzilla, and Rodan, and War of the Gargantuas. They've managed to collect the rights to all of these and this becomes their second release um and i'm assuming you guys had all of these right oh yeah yeah, yeah. um i don't know if you were planning to get there but um just i mean i i i talked to some of those guys and uh they were actually like it's almost an inverse of the problem we're having now um they had to like fight tooth and nail for them to even get the japanese versions on there um, you know, they wanted to just do the dubs, okay, widescreen, a couple extra features, whatever, but they really had to, like, convince them of why the Japanese version should be out there. And, yeah, for a lot of those movies, I think most of those, if not all of them, yeah, that was the first Japanese language release here for all those. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, same thing, like, I don't know, classic media feels like they kind of lost interest along the way. I know um, the documentary that Stephen Ed wrote uh, that Norman England directed, the Bringing Godzilla Down to Size, uh, like that was supposed to be included in like this special box set 
which they did do, but it was supposed to be on there like as its own disc and like stuff like that. And then like it just got kind of like thrown onto the Rodan disc and Rodan and the War of the Gargantuas were put out together. It just kind of felt like they were like, here's the last two with the documentary. Like, here, just take it. Yeah, there's was there a change in management uh, that went on during that? that uh, I, I believe I believe so because what I was going to say is um, for anybody listening to this that hasn't also heard this, um, there is a great interview that Steve Rifle did with Kyle Yant on his podcast, the Kaiju Cast, which that came out in 2013, and Steve is very candid or candid. Sorry, candid about um, what about uh, some of the turmoil of getting these Godzilla films onto U.S. home video because um, he'd worked with both classic media and um, with another company at this point called uh, Tokyo or, or well with uh, Media Blasters, which had a label for this kind of stuff called Tokyo Shock, and um, and we we can talk about that in a minute because I think you definitely want to, Kyle and. and about you know some of the the special feature issues but yeah uh, anybody who hasn't heard that interview with steve rifle definitely should because it is very eye-opening and very um illuminating about just sort of you know kind of the development hell that him and and these other guys went through trying to make those dvds as good as they were because yeah classic media was not particularly convinced that these movies needed to exist on home video in the way that Steve and Ed and Keith and the rest of them conceptualize them as fans existing where you would have both the American and the Japanese version and you would have these special features and you would have these documentaries and all of this other kind of stuff. Um, and then, yes, I do believe, because I listened to that interview not that long ago, or listened to it again, Steve does say that while they were working on this, there was a change in management where basically they came back into like the office one day and they were basically told like, Hey, the guy who used to have my job, he cared about this. I don't. So, yeah, I know somewhere along the line, like midway through those releases, cause they were staggered. They didn't all come out at the same time. Right. They were absorbed into, um, G- the, a company called genius, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is like, I think their parent company is Sony, but, um, that's why, like, you see their logo, like, halfway, halfway through that cycle of discs, like, you see their logo start to pop up, and, um, and yeah, I, I think that definitely has something to do with it, and I know, um, you know, I know the, the guys were disappointed in, you know, how their documentary was kind of just thrown onto a Rodan disc, like, kind of randomly, you know? Um, do you know, I mean, I'm just curious if you know from talking to them, do you know, um, were those discs selling well for classic media? Because I'm also reminded of when... That I don't know. I do okay. know that the, that the 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 54 movie, when they did it, is like the really fancy like hardcover, two-disc yeah. set with the booklet. I know that sold really well. Um, the rest of them, I'm not entirely sure. So, yeah. So, I mean, classic media puts all of those out. Um they and so 2006 is also the same year by the way that the blu-ray disc format debuts um and then so you go ahead a little bit um and uh in 2008 so this gets interesting so in 2008 
Toho starts working on doing high definition remasters of all of their Godzilla movies. And they will keep working on that until um, 2014. They, they won't finish. And that's the entire series, not just the Showa series. That is everything from 54 all the way up through Final Wars. Um, they're working on doing these HD remasters, which we are absolutely going to talk more about because those masters are going to become very important for this discussion about this Criterion set. But in the meantime, 2009 is when Classic Media releases a Blu-ray of Godzilla, which is the original Godzilla. It's a pretty piss-poor Blu-ray. Um, gets really bad reviews. Did any of you buy it? Why no. would we? Yeah, <laughs> I, I just I was well, I was just curious because I know I didn't buy it because I mean I love I still own all my classic media DVDs and I still really value that two disc DVD set they did. But I remember I mean Blu-ray was like brand new at the time, so I hadn't even been completely convinced I needed to jump on board with the format. And then I heard that it didn't look any better than the DVD, so I didn't get it. But yeah, um, 2011 is Criterion announces that they are going to do a Blu-ray release then of the original Godzilla. And that release comes out in 2012. Uh, and this is the initial release. It's just the first 54 film. They go back to the original film elements for the movie that they get from uh, Toho. They scan them all in. They clean them up. They do their own restoration job. They do the same thing for the American version. They include both on the Blu-ray They've got an all-new commentary with David Callett. Um, they do new special features. It comes in this nifty little pop-up book, um, which, uh, interestingly enough, causes a small bit of controversy amongst fans because the Godzilla in it is the Godzilla from the Kiru films, which is the one from 2002 and 2003. So it's not the 1954 Godzilla. So again, we're going back to that theme we saw before where the people doing the art for these home video releases don't really seem to distinguish or understand that there are different iterations of Godzilla per film. And 2011 and 2012 is also the year that um, Media Blasters, which we talked about before, will release or try to release blu-rays of two other films which are destroy all monsters and godzilla versus megalon and kyle or 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 kevin who wants to do, do one of you want to talk about what happens with those blu-rays because i think that's important for this story as well uh well um i don't know why but uh destroy all monsters was released with the aip dub a commentary by ed and steve and a photo gallery, and uh, I feel like I heard it was no, that was I think that was Megalon I'm thinking of. But anyway, those features were not approved by Toho, so the release was pulled from the market and reissued later without all that stuff. Um, and then Megalon, which came out later uh, onto DVD, like its first pressing or whatever, had a small amount of uh, discs that had. Uh, the features for that, which was a commentary with Steve and Stuart Galbraith, and then a uh, an interview with Ted Thomas, um, you know, guy behind a lot of the dubs, uh, and a photo gallery and like a trailer gallery, and they knew what they were doing too, because like it was there as like an Easter egg, like if you 
like click around like there you, there's like a tiny jet jaguar head that shows up and you it's, press got, that it's, it's, it's the, you've got a jet jaguar head which is like your you know as you're scrolling through the special features like instead of you know, being like a white dot or whatever like you usually get or highlighting the word you just have this little jet jaguar head that goes from each thing and if you try to toggle the jet jaguar head over to the side of the screen where there isn't anything but a picture of Godzilla, you can get it to go onto Godzilla's face, at which point you unlock this hidden special feature, which is this very extensive trailer um, compilation of a bunch of different Japanese science fiction films. Not even all Toho science fiction films, because I'm pretty yeah. sure extra amount of space, space and yep. stuff is in there. Yeah, It was basically um, everything I think Ed had in his collection. Yeah, and I mean, I they, so yeah, I think they knew they. I that sounded like some petty stuff, but anyway, uh, since then they've been very like I don't know. They they really aren't that interested in special features, and it's like, you know, if you're gonna put out anything, like you're, it's gonna be what you what we give you, or like it has to be approved in a certain way. And they were always kind of weird with that too, like the classic media commentaries like Toho had to approve scripts for them. So that's why if you listen to them, like they sound a little bit scripted it's because they are. Well, um, like, yeah. And then the, when the first criterion, or at least like they Toho specifically said, like you're not allowed to mention the Italian cut, things like that. It's, it's very bizarre. Yeah. Um, and then by, Ed did a commentary for the echo bridge by Alante, which also got, um, I think almost at the last minute got uh, just shut down and it never came out. Was that um, was that because of Toho or was that because Echo Bridge was trying to rush to meet a street date? I heard conflicting things about that. Yeah, well, I did too. I I think it was definitely a, a Toho thing though. Well, I, I think because Toho Ed was is being slow to approve it and Echo Bridge. Yeah, they they, they, they. I mean, it's kind of a combination of both because right. Toho was taking forever to approve it, and they were like, "Look, guys, like we got to meet this date." And Toho just, I don't know, it's like they just like forgot about it, <laughs> and then and then they they were just like, "Okay, we have to release it," and um. Like, uh, Kaiju Cast ended up putting out the uh, Megalon commentary, and uh, nobody said anything about it. It's still there, so hopefully do the Biolante one will see the light of day. Well, I don't so think do they you actually guys got... have... Oh, go ahead, Kevin. I don't think they actually got properly paid for the Destroy All Monsters and, and Megalon commentaries because of the way that... I believe it, yeah. Uh, it, um, it was, it was going to be based on the sales of the discs that they officially weren't allowed to sell or something like that. So I'm pretty sure that Ed and Steve, cause I've talked to them as well. I I'm pretty sure Ed and Steve said that they got paid, but with the Megalon one in particular, I know cause I'm also, I'm also friends through social media with Stuart Galbraith. And he said that he, for the longest time did not get paid for the Megalon one. Um, he said that media blasters made every excuse he, you could ever imagine not to send him a check. And and finally, it was like almost a year down the road or something, they finally cut him a check for it. So, and he said it was the longest time in all of his years doing this professionally uh, it ever took for a company to pay him for work that he did. So, yeah. And I, well, I think that that disc also was, was very delayed again because, yeah. Toho, especially after the Destroy All Monsters fiasco, they were being very, um, 
Japanese about it. So uh, I, I think probably Media Blaster's plan was, okay, we'll get this out, we'll get some money, and then we'll pay for the commentary using the money we got from the disc. Except then they couldn't, and that uh, sort of domino affected. So what I was going to ask is, do either of you guys own those really rare contraband um, of a sort? I have the Destroy All Monsters one, because that one uh, I pre-ordered, and I got it like the first day of release, so that one I have. Um, Megalon I never got, but I did find a uh, <coughs> digital <coughs> version of the uh, illegal disc, I guess I'll call it, so... Um, I, and then I like burn that to a disc. So, uh, those I have, uh, destroy all monsters. I have like legitimately though. Yeah. Megalon, I got on, on DVD when it first came out and it had no features, but then it was, I think a few weeks later when it started coming out that, uh, on some refresh shipment or something, they had quote, used the wrong image file and quote, and that there were there were some copies that were floating around. So that's when I was like, well, I don't know what to. Uh, th- there's no distinguishing, you know, just looking at the packaging, yeah. what's going to be on what. So I just I bought a couple of discs from Amazon, and sure enough, I got like two copies. And the extra one I I gave to a a pal that I had that the sells DVDs secondhand. I don't know if he really understood what I was giving him when I gave it to him, but uh, I guess some some lucky movie collector wound up with that from from him that ted thomas interview from the megalon disc actually they just put up on uh, daily motion i believe yeah Online. i saw that yeah and and uh, uh steve told me that it's actually a longer cut than what's even on the megalon dvd so if you have one so 2014 um like i said toho that's the year they finished doing their hd remasters they finished that in july july um, the very next month in August, they start working on a 4K restoration of the original Godzilla from 54. And um, that is also the same year that a company called Kraken, well, they're, it's not, they're not a company. They're, they're a, what, a branch of, what's the company, Kevin? Is it made in Japan or something? So Kraken is a separate company under the umbrella of Section 23 Films. Okay. Section 23 Films also has Made in Japan, uh, Sentai Filmworks, Switchblade Pictures. Gotcha. So so Kraken releases Blu-rays that year. And again, because this is 2014, so this is the uh, first of the legendary Godzilla movies. So people are trying to cra- uh, cash in on that. They get the rights from Toho for... Uh, Godzilla versus a sea monster, Godzilla versus Hedera or the smog monster, and Godzilla versus Gigan, and put all of those out on Blu-ray um, with both a dub and sub option, and uh, not really any special features. There are some trailers and stuff. Um, I, the only one of those I actually bought was the smog monster one. Um, I thought the subtitles were very, very nice for it. They were better than anything that we'd previously had because they also so, subtitled all of the on-screen text. So. so I don't think you mentioned that those movies were previously made available on DVD from Sony, right? I did not. I did not. I had. I didn't mention the show of films that were made available uh, by Sony. So because I, I believe Kraken is using transfers from Sony and not from Toho directly. 
So I believe it. I've heard that. Does that ring true to you, Kyle? Uh, it sounds familiar, but I don't want to like say I'm a hundred percent there. Right. I mean, they're they're definitely different transfers than uh, Toho has made available to Criterion, if nothing else. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. So then in 2017, jumping ahead a couple years, so in 2017, um, Criterion launches a streaming service in conjunction with Turner Classic Movies called Filmstruck. And as part of the catalog of movies that they put on Filmstruck, they put all 15 Godzilla movies minus King Kong versus Godzilla. Um, They also have Rodan and War the Gargantuas on there. And some of them are uh, subbed, some of them are dubbed, some of them are both. It's kind of a mix. But this is like the first time that fans become aware that Criterion has managed to land um, the rights for all of these movies. And that's when the rumor mill starts churning that Criterion may be working on some kind of box set or complete set again of Godzilla movies, uh, which of course we now know that they did. Um, they officially announced that in, on July 25th, uh, of this year, 2019. And then this set came out in the last week of October, um, of just, of just last month. Uh, so the set that we've been talking about and, uh, yeah, it's this big oversized, hardcover book with uh, an essay by Steve Rifle um, on the franchise, uh, individual little sort of essay synopses on each of the films by Ed Godwicheski, and then all of the Blu-rays for these movies, plus a disc of uh, special features. And um, I guess at this point, I'm going to hand things over to Kyle to kind of talk about what exactly it is that we got. All right, so that was the first part, which was the history of Godzilla on home video in America. So stay tuned. Uh, in a few days, we will come back with our full review and coverage of the Godzilla Criterion Collection box, as well as uh, some talk about the new Ultraman releases from Mill Creek, and that whole deal. So we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.